Law Students Essential. Today, we are going to discuss cases that are related to contracts. The first issue is Can forbearance to sue be a consideration? The first case is De Los Santos versus Great Western Sugar Corporation. There was a promise. Ultimately, there was found to be no consideration, so Bear loses. Um, basically, refresh my memory if I'm getting this wrong, but this was um, a business owner who had leveraged his assets to a third party, um, and then someone acquired his business and went looking for payment from the third party something along yeah, those yeah, lines yeah. Um, and he kept getting the brush off right mm -hmm. um, they'd call and, and look for payment and the third party said we're working through our books you know we'll let you know we'll get back to you we're going through everything oh, okay. um, and it was a question of whether or not um, the yes yes payment is on its way or some mm -hmm. some form of that kind of paraphrasing amounted to a promise Right, that's correct. So what happened in that case was that they were looking at whether a bargain was made and when the plaintiff told the, was it the secretary, I believe, of the defendant over the phone that he would forbear to sue if they would commit and actually give him the payments that they promised him. However, the court ruled that it was not really a term that was bargained for because there was nothing, there was no evidence that showed that they actually took each other seriously in regards to the forbearance to sue. Because if they had, then yes, a forbearance to sue would be considered a legal detriment because you're giving up your right to sue in exchange for carrying out the contract. I'm looking at another note here that says that the professor thinks the Bear Court may have gotten it wrong. <laughs> um, I think the takeaway remains this wasn't a promise it was just a brush off it was just sort of something mm -hmm. that you know you say um trying to get bear off the phone out of your hair yeah. um but but this is this goes to what you were asking about well with regards to forbearing to sue being valid as a consideration um i think it can be absolutely right mm -hmm. moving on the yeah. next case i have is the new off versus marvin lumber yeah. where court also found there was no consideration plaintiffs said they would they they forbore forbeared <laughs> from suing um, although they didn't actually state that they would forbear their argument is that they they did so forbear um, court said that's fine forbearance doesn't need to be expressed it must at least be implied um, but the kind of asterisk on that is that the promise to forbear from bringing suit can only constitute consideration if you're forbearing a colorable claim. According to Black's Law Dictionary, a colorable claim is legitimate and that may reasonably be asserted given the facts presented and the current law. Doesn't mean the claim has to be a winner, mm -hmm. just has to, you, you have to have a colorable claim. Mm -hmm. uh, it can't be based in um, you know, non-legal principles, um, the purpose being to avoid extortion and bribery and so forth. Yeah, so this is one of the many instances in our class where we've had one court saying one thing and then 
a court in a later case, even right after that case, would say the opposite. And I guess the main takeaway I took from, from these two cases in this context is that courts will look at circumstantial evidence to see if there was consideration or even for any other part of a contract. However, some are more reluctant to do that simply because they want to be able to say that an objection, looking at it in an objective way, a reasonable per, what a reasonable person would see as there being consideration. And so in regards to forbearance to sue, I think it's important to have expressed terms stated either orally or through writing where you know that both parties know each other's intentions, that one party is planning to forbear to sue in exchange for something else. And so that a court can point to that and say, this is where the agreement was made. But to then, you know, opposite that, to say that it was implied, I'm not sure many courts, or at least it's not the majority view that a judge would actively try to imply things from the evidence, if there's not enough evidence for that. I, well, kind of going off what you're saying, I don't think that a judge necessarily has to actively imply anything if there is enough. I guess that's kind of um, the idea of there being kind of a fair implication is that um, there was enough either done or said by you um, that a reasonable person would Im- would see that you are implying, um, I guess, that promise or um yeah that you're that you are implying that promise uh so i think it all has to do as benny said with being clear but even in your actions if you're not expressly saying something um at least your actions should be clear enough where someone understands your motives and your intent um because only then will a court be able to imply kind of just goes with what Benny said but I feel like that's maybe a more express way of uh, how you can imply something a judge actually look at or be able to interpret it as you implying a promise so what we are talking about is that forbearance to sue can be a consideration that constitutes a contract Then what about a case in which a person promises that if his nephew promises not to drink alcohol, he would give him a certain amount of money? Do you think it can be a contract or is it just a gift? Here is our discussion on Hamer versus Sidway. The uncle promised the nephew $5,000 if he promised not to drink, swear, play billiards or cards for money until he was 21 years of age. And so the nephew did that, but however, because the uncle died before paying the nephew that money, now the conflict was between the nephew and the uncle's estate on whether he should get that money or not. Now, the court said that the nephew should get the money because he gave up his rights to smoke and drink and do all of that. And because he did so for a number of years, he should have been paid as was agreed in the contract. 
the counter argument from the estate had been that since it was for his own good, it right. didn't constitute giving anything up. There was no detriment, but rather mm -hmm. a benefit to the nephew. Mm -hmm. um, but the court, per Benny's articulated reasoning, stated that giving up any right to freely do as you would, um, drink, smoke, gamble, what have you, constitutes a detriment. And another important point is that term of inducement, which is when you can tell for sure whether there has been a bargain for exchange when the promise of the promisor induces the promisee to take on a detriment. And so when you have that situation, you know that the promisee is depending, relying on the promise of the promisor in order to fulfill the contract if it's a performance or another promise to perform so that you can rely on that and in terms of public policy you know that when you have situations that both parties can rely on each other you can have contracts that are beneficial to both parties and to possibly third parties all right that's all for today i see you next time stay tuned <laughs> essentials